Thursday, October 29th. My name is Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Topics for today. Chris Weidman speaks about why his fight with Hamzat Chemaev fell apart. Scott Coker talks about the changes on the Bellator roster. Leanna Jojua shows the six stitches she got across the bridge of her nose of her UFC 254 fight that was stopped by the doctor. And you will never convince me that that was a good stoppage. And Israel Adesanya is interested in facing Jan Blachowicz for the UFC light heavyweight title in early 2021. And that fight makes sense to me, especially if they can hold it in New Zealand. I'll talk about that. And the bonus that Adesanya would get if he fought Blackowitz because it would irritate John Jones immensely. Now, on with the show. Earlier this month, former middleweight champion Chris Weidman pitched himself as a potential opponent for Hamzat Chemaev. And the thinking was that he was going to fight him in early 2021. And that fight fell apart. Um, because Weidman said that he has a rib injury and it's going to take him a little while to recover from that. And because of that, the UFC went ahead and booked Leon Edwards for the fight instead of Weidman. And so Weidman spoke to uh, Submission Radio about this and he said he's no longer in the running or interested in the fight and he had a, a pretty solid reason and... This is his reasoning. Most likely, if he loses his next fight, the interest would just be completely gone, especially a guy with his record, with his experience level, which is really not much. The reason why I was taking that fight was because there was so much hype behind him and so many people thought he was really good. But if he was to lose and be exposed by Leon Edwards, what's the purpose of me fighting him? And that's that's a good point. Weidman is the former champion. Um, he is. I know his record has not been great over the last few little while he's two and five but he is coming off a win and if Chemayev loses at welterweight to Leon Edwards then what what reason does Weidman have to to take that fight now because as soon as that happens all you're going to hear about Chemayev it was is how much of a hype machine he was and that he was never really that good and never fought anybody until he fought Edwards and then he lost to Edwards and got beat up and whatever. And you know how that works because that's, uh, that's how MMA works. As soon as someone loses their first fight, they were a hype machine, a hype train. And we bought into it. So that would be true. Now, if Chemayev wins, we'll see what happens. Because if, if Chemayev wins, then maybe Weidman changes his tune because the fight becomes much more interesting then because then Chemayev is still unbeaten and he beat the number three ranked welterweight. So we'll see how he does against a former middleweight champion. But I don't know if, if, he, if he's out of the running now or if he's still in, but it would make sense that... that Weidman keep his name in the mix just in case Chemayev wins. Can he win? I don't know. I don't. I I 
I think the jump all the way up to Edwards and number three welterweight is a big one. And it's a kind of fight where you where where Chimaev is going to either sink or swim. Still early enough in his career where he will recover from a sink. But if he plunges to the depths and gets smoked by, by Edwards, things could become a little dicey. And then he's going to have a really big uh, and long probably rebuilding process. So I, I don't like the jump because Edwards is a good fighter. He's on an eight-fight winning streak. He's ranked number three. He was in the running for a title shot. And I think it's a little early for Chimaev to be tested that, like that, considering he hasn't fought anyone inside the uh, top 15 before. So it's a big test, a big test for sure. It's going to be interesting, and I think it'll be a fun fight. But it's going to tell us a lot more about Chimaev than it will about Edwards. But I think... I think Weidman should still keep training for the fight in case he, in case Jemayev beats Edwards. Because if he does, as we've found out, Jemayev is going to turn around and say he wants to fight again as soon as possible. And I think if you're Weidman and you still think that the Jemayev fight's worth your while if he beats Edwards, then you take that fight because then you have the opportunity to end the hype train then it becomes much more interesting and much more probably lucrative too for for the UFC and for hopefully Weidman. But we'll see. There's a lot to think about here and see what Weidman does or, you know, after we fig- figure out what Shemayev and Edwards do. Earlier this week, Bellator released a statement that said about 30 fighters were no longer under contract with the promotion and it was vaguely worded. It said just that, I think, uh, no longer under contract. Several fighters on that list had retired. I believe that the message made note of those folks. So we were all kind of up in the air as to how these other fighters were no longer under contract. Were they released? Were they renegotiating? Were they just not resigned? Well, it turns out, as I hoped would happen, Scott Coker president of Bellator went over this to today and here's what he had to say and this is via an MMA junkie story this list is really a reflection of where the company is going right one of the things about running this company with 250 to 270 sometimes almost 300 athletes is there are only so many TV spots there's only so much room on the roster sometimes fighter retire like Pat Curran he retired John Fitch he retired sometimes there are fighters who contracts run out that's just what it is. We choose not to resign them or they went somewhere else. To me, it's just 30 fighters that have basically gone and we signed 30 new fighters. We need to make room for some of the new athletes on the roster. Really, it's a period over what? This is the first time this has happened since February, right? You're talking 30 athletes in a 10-month period. You're talking about three athletes a month going in and out. It's really not that much. It just seems like a lot because we haven't done it since COVID hit. That's been about 10 months. So it's a good explanation and I kind of like that it's happening. It shows there's a kind of changing of the tide in Bellator and maybe a refocusing and getting rid of some of the older 
more known but past their prime fighters and bringing in some new blood. Um, I, I do like that because some of the fighters that they had, I think the, they were just on the roster for the name recognition. And now, along with that, and along with that name recognition came high paydays. And they weren't really exciting fighters, some of them, and and so why not get rid of them if you're if they're just there to for their name recognition and the pay isn't worth uh, what 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 you're what you're giving them for for the benefit you're getting out of them. So I like that, but it worries me a little bit because some of those fighters, I think, on some of the cards were the only reasons uh, some folks were turn, tuning in. So. It's a it's kind of a risk reward. Yeah, they're going to be have less payout for the fighters because they're going to be starting new contracts, but they're also going to be less known, and so they're also going to probably draw fewer eyeballs on the on the cards. But if the Bellator can draw crowds to the events, then that changes the story as well. So it's a real interesting situation over there, um, and we'll see how it goes. It's it's going to be worth it to watch who they put at the top of these cards, who headlines, and who can draw fans in and get ratings. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens here. At, but like I said, at the very least, it's going to save Bellator some money and maybe free up some other money to bring bigger free agents in that are still in their prime. And I think that could happen because the UFC, UFC has still not really purged its roster for quite a while in a big way. So maybe some folks over there are going to uh, be let go and Bellator can pick them up, especially if the pandemic carries on and the UFC keeps concentrating on new fighters at the lower pay rate. So there's a lot to bear watching here, but I think the first thing we need to watch with the Bellator here is what happens with the ratings with these recognizable names gone. If you recall at UFC 254, Liana Jojoa, her fight against Miranda Maverick was stopped between, I think, the first and the second round because of a cut on her nose I thought at the time and I still think that the fight was stopped early because the cut while it was a bad cut did not affect her breathing did not affect her vision did not do anything it, it wasn't near her eye so it wasn't going to possibly get bigger and and damage her her eye and her tear ducts or anything in that in that way it was just a bad cut on the nose and the doctor didn't really give the cut man time to work on it between rounds from what i understand a the the doctor should wait the full minute for for a cut they usually wait the full minute maybe assess it while the cut man's working on it but then you call time out and the doctor looks at it and calls the fight 
at at during the timeout. It wasn't like a she was compromised from a, a punch and she was woozy and she didn't know where she was. She argued that the stoppage she didn't want the stoppage to take place. And like I said, it was a cut on the nose. My opinion then and my opinion now is you let the cut man work on it. Probably would get it under control at least enough to continue. You tell the referee, keep an eye on that. If it gets worse, call timeout. I'll come up and assess it. And if we have to make a stoppage at that time, we make a stoppage at that time. But at least allow her to carry on because it was, like I said, just a cut on the nose. The worst thing you're going to get out of that is a scar. And you're going to get scars anyway because it's it's the hurt game. It wasn't going to affect her vision. It wasn't going to affect her ability to carry on. If the blood got in her mouth, um, maybe then you, you 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 call the doctor in to assess that situation because it was a possibility that, that she could breathe in some blood and then it would affect her, her fighting. But you didn't know that because he called it off before I think the minute even expired, which to my thinking was inexperience. And I'm going to have a story about this on Bloody Elbow at some point, not too distant future, about the difference between uh, emergency doctor and cage side doctor and the amount of time it takes and the amount of thinking it takes to figure out what a cage side doctor or a ringside doctor needs to do that's different than an emergency doctor so that'll be coming so watch for it but anyway so she talked to rt sport today and the big to do about this and a lot of people told me i was wrong to say it was stopped early the big to do is six stitches on her nose. Six stitches on the bridge of her nose. You will never convince me that fight was stopped at the correct time. It wasn't. And I said that this might be, that fight might have been one of those fights where people say if it had been a male fighter, it would have carried on longer. And I think the message didn't get across so well on Twitter on that because, of course, it's Twitter. And, of course, people are going to just argue with you anyway. Um, so I that's the first time I've ever said that because I've not felt that way. And I know it's been said a bunch of times that fights get stopped earlier for the women than they do the men. I can't verify that, but I think if that fight had been... Uh, say Nate Diaz who we know bleeds a lot and Conor McGregor it wouldn't have got stopped then at least not in Vegas and I think in Vegas that fight doesn't get stopped in California that fight doesn't get stopped at least not then because the doctors are more experienced and and I think with a a good referee the communication would have been there as well or a I shouldn't say good because that's that's the wrong thing to say. A more experienced referee with a more experienced doctor together could have spoken about that situation and come to a conclusion together. That didn't happen. And so there was a lot of things that went wrong there in my opinion. And again, this is my opinion. But I don't think that fight would have been stopped for that situation if it was men. And I don't think that fight would have been stopped if a more experienced cage-side doctor and a more experienced referee who had worked with each other in the past 
could communicate and work things out. And I think that a lot of it stems from the doctor came in, I think, on his own accord because I don't know if you allow the doctor in there until you allow the cut man to work. It was a very weird situation because the fight was on Fight Island and I think there was some confusion. I think the, the doctor was not experienced. I think the referee didn't have any time or comfort communicating and it, I think there was a lot of factors what, that went into it being the wrong call. Would it have gotten stopped eventually? You don't know. We'll never know. I think it was a wrong stoppage, Joe, and I and I will, I will never change my mind on that. And I'm going to, like I said, I'll have a story on this and try and get some more detail of the doctor and the referee and the communication and how this all went down, and put that in the story. But um, yeah, so for everyone concerned, the cut was bad. It wasn't nearly as bad as many cuts that we have seen. And six stitches across the bridge of the nose. Come on now, that's not not a not a fight ending cut. It it just isn't. We might get an Israel Adesanya UFC light heavyweight title fight in early 2021, but it won't be against John Jones because John Jones isn't the champion. John Jones is allegedly moving to heavyweight. And Jan Blockowitz has the belt. And Adesanya spoke to the New Zealand Herald. And he said he's ready to negotiate a deal to fight Blockowitz at for the light heavyweight title. Now, still probably way early in that whole process. But the light heavyweight champ is buying in. And he tweeted, I've heard that Israel Adesanya wants to face me next. No problem if you're ready to fight in March. Let's do this. Prepare for some fireworks, guys. And I like this fight. I like this fight a lot because the presumptive middleweight title fight, next middleweight title fight for Adesanya would be Robert Whitaker. And Whitaker didn't seem too jazzed about the rematch so close to the first loss he suffered to Adesanya. Fans probably aren't that jazzed about it because of how the first fight went and maybe that the most interesting fight to make would be Adesanya up to light heavyweight and fight Blockwitz. I don't think he would stay there. He might. You never know. I mean, it depends on how the fight goes. Adesanya is not someone who, I don't think is someone who is going to look for fewer challenges I think he's someone who wants to challenge himself. He has the confidence to do so. And I think Uriah Hall saying that Adesanya is looking for easy fights is one of the more ridiculous things I've heard in a long while. I, I, I don't think that's true by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he said he wanted to fight Yoel Romero. He said he wanted to fight Paula Costa. He said he wanted to fight Cannoneer if Cannoneer won. He asked for fights for guys that were at the top of the division. He's never asked for folks that are underneath and, and lower, you know, or out of the top 10. I mean, you would be hard-pressed, I think, to find someone that was waving their hands around to fight Yoel Romero. Was the fight exciting? No, but did Adesanya take 
Romero out of his comfort zone? I think he did. And because of how the the Costa fight went too. I don't think that was Costa. I think that was Adesanya doing what he needed to do. Maybe some of it was Costa being hyper aware and nervous about the striking of Adesanya. But isn't that the same as Adesanya taking Costa out of his comfort zone just by being in the cage? It's something we've seen with other fighters. It's something I think we had seen in the past with John Jones. Maybe not so much recently, but in the past for sure. So I think this is a good fight and an exciting fight, and it'll let Adesanya know if he stands near the top of the light heavyweight division. And I also think it's going to be, and this is just a bonus, I think, for Adesanya, I think it's going to be very irritating for John Jones if Adesanya goes up and fights someone other than him at light heavyweight. And again, why shouldn't he? Because Blockwitz is the champ. Jones said he was going up to heavyweight. Why should Adesanya fight someone who doesn't have a belt and is moving up to heavyweight? And I think that's a, I think that's just a little extra dig to Jones that Adesanya could move up to light heavyweight and take the title while Jones is saying that if he moves up to heavyweight, he won't be coming down because of his frame and how he's going to have to put weight on. It won't be easy to take off. So, I think it's a win-win for Adesanya. It's a, definitely a win for Blockwitz, which it'll be a, a big money fight for him, hopefully. And I think it's a win for the middleweight division because either Whitaker will uh, confirm that he is the number one contender or someone else will rise up and take that spot. And that works out for, for Adesanya as well if he drops back down. So, it's, uh, it's good for everyone especially good for the UFC if they can if they're willing to hold that fight in New Zealand and I don't know they will be because New Zealand's rules right now are a two-week quarantine and and then then you can go into uh, the cities around the the islands but you still have to have that two-week quarantine and they are strict about it and they're strict about it because it's working and they're living their lives normally outside of that two-week quarantine if you enter the country um, and the UFC could definitely sell out a, a stadium with Adesanya headlining in New Zealand. So something to think about. It's a very interesting thing. But again, that two-week quarantine for fighters during their week, weight-cutting period, or the UFC could have them travel earlier and get them acclimated with the time and the weight and maybe even set up some kind of training system and, and that that, that can take place at the quarantine area, but don't think they're going to do what they did in that they're doing in, the, in Vegas or in Abu Dhabi where they're jetting in and out and, and with less than two weeks. I just don't think New Zealand would allow that even for an event like this, but it could happen and it could happen in New Zealand and that would be pretty spectacular, I think. So we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm.